0: Welcome to Rail Group On Air, a joint production of Railway Age, Railway Track and Structures, and International Railway Journal. This is Railway Age Editor-in-Chief William C. VanTuono. Precision Scheduled Railroading, or PSR, as we know it today, is rapidly reaching an inflection point. Escalating trade disruptions, rail strikes, blockades, weather events, and the COVID-19 pandemic have highlighted the urgency to make supply chains more resilient, the current version of PSR has produced measurable financial, operational, and service improvements for railroads. Yet some internal growing pains continue, accompanied by shock waves absorbed by shippers, non-PSR railroads, industry partners, advocates, and policymakers. This Rail Group on Air podcast, the first of three and based on a feature story published online and in the June print and digital issues. Introduces PSR 2.0 as envisioned by my guests, Sonia Bott and John F. Orr. PSR 2.0 takes precision scheduled railroading to the next level within individual railroads and across railroad and transportation ecosystems. It demands an entrepreneurial culture focused on business rigor, forging productive partnerships, safeguarding origin to destination traffic flow, and increasing knowledge in part one, Sonia and John make the case for PSR 2.0 as the next step, the foundation for extending PSR across the full ecosystem of rail and other transportation stakeholders. Sonia D. Bott, chief executive of the Bott Consulting Group, Incorporated, has worked at the forefront of technology, media, and telecommunications companies worldwide and was instrumental in PTC implementation on CN's United States lines. John F. Orr, a top-level operations executive for railroading and transportation ecosystems, is a fourth-generation railroader who rose through the ranks and became CN's chief transportation officer. With E. Hunter Harrison and his successors, Orr delivered PSR operations and continues the mission today throughout North America, Europe, and Asia. Sonia and John, I'd like to welcome you to Rail Group On Air, our podcast. And uh, here's a really, really interesting topic, Precision Scheduled Railroading, or PSR 2.0. Let me preface this by saying that this is the subject of a three-part series in Railway Age. The first uh, part one appears in the June issue. There'll be part two, the July issue, and part three, the August issue. And uh, this podcast, is geared toward or tied in directly with part one. So let's start with the definition of uh, PSR 2.0 or 2.0. What it is, what it isn't, it's basic premise, it's guiding principles, uh, it's primary stakeholders.
1: Thank you, Bill. Now, before we jump into a description of PSR 2.0, we're gonna need a bit of the backstory on what is driving PSR 2.0 why we need it, and why there's an urgency for it. John and I see that precision scheduled railroading, you know, PSR as we know it today, is quickly reaching an inflection point. In fact, we can even assert that it has reached that inflection point. So if you look at what's been going on in the industry and in the world over the past year, we looked at things like escalating trade disruptions, we looked at rail strikes, We looked at blockades, we looked at the weather events, and we looked at the COVID-19 pandemic. And when we look at these things, they are highlighting the urgency to make the transportation supply chains and supply chains overall more resilient. And in fact, uh, weaknesses in the supply chains have been exposed. And I'd like to say in rather high profile ways lately. Then there is There are escalating uh, domestic transportation turmoils going on. And all of this uh, demonstrates the need for end-to-end approaches, standards, solutions, and greater level of service, accountability, and safety.
2: And if I could add, Bill, as Sonia said, we we set out to really uh, deepen our understanding of the North American railway system. and and to create a better way to deliver service and value to the current stakeholders, as well as position the railway industry to respond to the digital influences and the opportunities that are emerging as we near the end of the digital age and position for true innovation. You know, I find it uh, alarming that PSR has been applied uh, to some class ones, but has yet to be applied widely to class twos, class threes, Short lines as we know them, uh, tenants, passenger railways across North America, and this gap of PSR deployment represents about 40% of North America's route miles. And you know, historically, there have there has been a mix of excitement about PSR and certainly apprehension and anticipation of scaling into these new areas. But with the realities of today's markets and the competitive landscape, it's crazy to think that 40% of the rail industry in North America is not under any form of structured improvement. And this is a time when optimization is a must. And, you know, it's, it's not good enough to wait and see because the very survival of Enterprises of railways of customers can hinge on the improvement processes and the standards that are set by some of these rail industry, rail companies. And with that in mind, we've designed PSR 2.0 as a means for implementing and scaling precision railroading for mainstream adoption, and not just within individual railroads. But across railroads and across the entire transportation ecosystem, with a supply chain that is growing more integrated, more nimble, and has to be transparent. And you know, at its core, it's about providing customers service reliably, predictably, effectively, and safely. You know, manifesting Other benefits for all the parties, such as profitability and future-proofing in the face of these rapid changes.
1: That's right, John. It's geared towards increasing the relevancy in a world that's rife with these existential economic threats. We've got increased competition and this urgency to embrace the tail end of the digital age while preparing the foundation for the new era of breakthrough innovation. Now, with this background in mind, uh, we can now get closer to defining for you what PSR 2.0 is and what it is not. So let's start with who our stakeholders are. They include the class ones, class twos, class threes, tenants, passenger railroads, just as John mentioned uh, earlier, uh, just before here. And it also includes regulators, lawmakers, organized labor, industry groups, advocacy partners, industry partners such as airports, pipelines, et cetera, and of course, the end customers such as the shippers. This list that I've given you is by no way exhaustive, but basically, these are the players who are involved in the end-to-end transportation
2: supply chain. And so, as as PSR 1.0, as it has been defined and practiced, it places heavy emphasis on the internal operations of an individual railway. And, and Bill, we really think this is by design, and I don't think it's through any fault of uh, the the early adopters. In fact, there's a tremendous amount of effort, a tremendous amount of of uh, sweat equity that has gone into moving the industry in, in into a form of improvement that we found in PSR. But when each railway is individually being assessed by the market on its performance, namely through operating ratios, we found there was a limitation there. There was no cohesive benchmark to evaluate the collective railway uh, and the end-to-end supply chain performance. There wasn't a standard set to measure and objectively evaluate customer reliability and effectiveness of the customer service. To be able to set uh, forecasting capacity and investment uh, parameters to protect the, the the North American infrastructure integrity, and in order to have a, a, a standard uh, of integrated safety among the supply chain owners. So in contrast, we're de- we've designed PSR 2.0 with a scope that is widened to include a more holistic integration of all the parties in the transportation ecosystem. Structured transparency, agreed standards, robust measurements, they all go to increase the discipline and the performance of the respective individual partners, which includes the railway, but also looks from a holistic view as, as a transportation ecosystem. And we're not talking about PSR 2.0 being heavily bureaucratized. It's not about adding layers that involves decision-making complexity. In fact, the structure promotes agility to make better decisions more rapidly and more holistically, and to operate more effectively and safely within a highly competitive landscape.
1: Now, John and I researched and analyzed uh, PSR findings, data, press, you name it, there's lots out there and we took it further. Uh, John and I created what we call the five guiding principles to take PSR to the next level. There's a method and discipline uh, on how this is done. John and I went deep into proven academic theories, scientific principles, and we took deep retrospectives on our practical experiences. We went where no one has really gone before. On top of that, we also tested our PSR 2.0 with several dozen experts in the rail, transportation, technology, and finance industries. This includes boards of directors, current and former CEOs and C-suites, executives, management practitioners, subject matter experts, private equity stakeholders, Most of these were in North America, but we've also included uh, some in Europe, Asia, and Australia. So we're quite excited to share all this with you. So with the guiding principles, there are five. The first guiding principle is all about rewarding an an entrepreneurial culture. And here, everyone is innovative, resourceful, and is creating value. The second guiding principle is all about exercising business rigour and relevancy. And this is where businesses must precisely match the services, i.e. their supply, with the markets, known as the demand, and their business objectives and obligations. So these first two guiding principles, in fact all the guiding principles interrelate with each other, but this this, um, second guiding principle, you know, it is really strengthened by an entrepreneurial culture. Moving to the third guiding principle, it's all about forging productive partnerships. So here is where ecosystem partnerships are foundational to modern entrepreneurial approaches, and they're crucial for strengthening performance and viability. The next guiding principle, which is the fourth one, is safeguarding the end-to-end flow. So here, we've really got to account for downstream impacts across systems. So if somebody upstream makes a change of some sort, or you know, if they do something, we need to very uh, mindfully understand how everyone else gets impacted and work with that and make and leverage it. And if we're entrepreneurs or working in an entrepreneurial manner, if we are working in a manner where we are um, forging the productive partnerships, the safeguarding of the end-time flow can become quite powerful. The fifth guiding principle, and it's the last guiding principle, it's all about fostering a learning organization, which is all about continual mastery and improvement. These guiding principles, they serve as enhancers, which means you know they raise the value. They serve as accelerators, where progress occurs faster and more effectively. And they serve as sustainers, which is all about maintaining the gains.
2: And if I could add, Sonia, in my view, not only are these enhancers and accelerators and sustainers, but you know, I think it's important to say that the science behind our research into these fundamentals are actually steeped in proven academic theory. So we were able to go even further, not only to meet the demands for f- future viability of railroads and transportation networks across North America, but these, these fundamentals deliver universal value across businesses and ecosystems globally.
0: I would like to ask you uh, about the perception of uh, PSR 1.0. It's uh, generally perceived as being geared more toward better cost management, asset utilization, lower operating ratio, not necessarily better service. Uh, It is railroad-centric, not customer-centric. Would you say this perception is accurate?
2: Well, Bill, if I could, I'll field this question. It depends on who you ask and where you are in the ecosystem. And let me just elaborate. In order to take you back uh, a a few years where I was on the front line of implementation, it it was important to uh, appreciate the PSR's origins were established from the desire to expand customer service offerings and to develop a, a new suite of service products. This was predicated on delivering, you know, improved customer service satisfaction and service by leveraging a rail car view of things. Each car had a schedule. Each car schedule was optimized based on the internal railway service and connection standards. And, you know, the exercise of improving schedules created a a very deep understanding of the sum of the parts on how a railway company operates and within that we started to learn that you know more assets didn't necessarily equate to better customer service and more assets created such things as traffic jams in rail yards or on rail uh right-of-ways in in the in the service yards in the sidings in the the mainline corridors and that was uh critical to the execution of search delivery. So consequently, the first call for improvement was to really right size the assets to align with improved customer service and customer expectations. In turn, this created a value proposition. We had lower overheads in a high fixed asset world, lower capital outlay, and the ability to increase competitive positioning. And, and I can take you back to, to an example. This is really when intermodal overseas market, intermodal was emerging, uh, trade patterns were shifting, and it was a high volume, low yield environment. This is you know where need for speed trains came to optimize the train speed in order to uh, reduce the cost of carrying goods and reduce the uh, inventory implications for shippers. And make the railways more competitive with trucks by having a service schedule. And you know, this is when when I'm talking about uh, new new products and new product offerings. Th- these were supported by that precise delivery found with with PSR. So PSR was designed to improve the quality and the quality of of revenue for the railways. Uh, these financial gains were st- strategically reinvested to modernizing equipment. To maintaining and expanding infrastructure, and to develop innovative technologies, uh, this improved and increased the railway's uh, operating efficiencies and the ability to com- compete and stay relevant. From the view of the customer, in the course of my 34-year career, I- I've heard so many things. Uh, you know, from from the end customer perspective, they've experienced a broad range of service quality. Some some would characterize it, frankly, as Marked degradation, others unprecedented improvement, some of this came from uh, realigning expectations and recognizing gaps in in the service disparity. you know railways work seven days a week, three hundred and sixty five days a year. Uh, it's a very uh, hands- on business uh, some some ports, some factories, you know shippers. People on the other side of, of the uh, equation were in a five-day work uh, pattern. Those uh, misalignments created a lot of friction. Uh, there was uh, a, a need for transparency, uh, better communication, commitments, accountabilities. Those those are the themes that are, that you know were were heard. But by managing standards and a system view, railways got better at uh, positioning for the trade and for uh, com- competing domestically with trucks uh, enabled railways to operate more effectively and become more uh increase income and protect the future of the business and and some would say reigniting competition uh, then there's the view of the stakeholder you know there is still today a mixed response with the DOT with ship STB shippers unions uh, NTS uh, NTSB Transport Canada uh, you know, there's a variety of, of conversations that are going on within the stakeholders. And, and uh, again, it's depending where they are and where they're sitting within the supply chain or in the, in the conversation with whomever it is. Uh, the one thing that you can pretty much be assured that nobody's sitting on the fence, that within these mixed responses, that it's, there's a commonly held uh, thought that PSR is really about operating the and in practice, the late adopters are placing a lot of emphasis on that and marketing PSR as a bottom-line measure. And I would argue that at this point of its implementation, PSR should be very clear that it's, it's both financially sound and service-focused. Perhaps that's, again, back to the design of it. That, uh, and this is why we need PSR 2.0 because PSR 2.0 clearly delivers win-win outcomes for customers, for railways, for the end-to-end supply chain partners. And it lists the the synergies of the transportation ecosystem to create a positive impact to both the top line and the bottom line growth for all of these stakeholders.
0: Moving ahead to PSR 2.0, how does it improve upon uh, the current version 1.0? Uh, would you say it's more service and supply chain or customer oriented?
1: Well, first of all, uh, PSR 2.0 transcends PSR 1.0 by embracing the entrepreneurship and the partnerships across the railroad and the related transportation ecosystems. So it expands PSR 1.0 to include the revenue generation and the growth strategies. It focuses on the productive partnerships that go beyond the individual railroads. So it extends across the rail industry and embracing others in the transportation ecosystem. It's about having a more comprehensive view of the business objectives, the service alignment, and the supply chain from the view of the product, where the product originates, where it should go, where it could go, because of inefficiencies in the ecosystem, and how do we support the product in its transit? So it's all about deepening the engagement with the customers, and this would include the trading partners, the transportation neighbors, the regulators, the lawmakers, and extending the reach of the product into the marketplace. Now, if we're going going a little further into the product level, we notice that railroads currently tend to take a customer development perspective, which then creates some natural boundaries. Instead, John and I insist on taking what we call a product cycle view, and this is the only way to transcend those boundaries. So in order to optimize the path and handling, you must include all the parties in the conversation And on how that service will be agreed to. Inter-railway service agreements have not been so much about the product but more about time and proximity. So in order to have the receiving party agree to something they must be a part of the design as opposed to a downstream recipient. So PSR 2.0 puts more structure and meaning to these things. So they earn a seat at the table by wanting to participate by committing resources and committing to solutions, and really by wanting to take a product level view of the service. Now, as a cross-check to maintain system-wide balance, PSR 2.0 introduces and necessitates a culture that also safeguards this end-to-end flow and the impacts within a railroad and across the partner ecosystem. In this new mode of operation, it is no longer acceptable to overlook the downstream impacts. Instead, the stakeholders must account for downstream impacts across the system and taking action to mitigate adverse impacts. I wanna be really clear. The railways continue to have an obligation to develop their customer base and Their service relationship. So by no means are we advocating that there's any kind of significant shift in their self-determination. Next, PSR 2.0 demands an entrepreneurial culture. It's a culture that creates a system of shared values, beliefs, and norms. So this would include embracing ingenuity, valuing creative people, and cross-pollinating functional disciplines and industry sectors. It depends upon believing that innovation and seizing market opportunities are critical to survival and prosperity and to dealing with environmental uncertainty, competitors, and threats. So the members of an organization and the members of the ecosystem must be able to respond accordingly. Now, in all honesty, PSR 2.0 does require raising the bar on the entrepreneurial capabilities of the class ones, class twos, and all the others in the transportation ecosystem. It's not just the class ones that have to uh, raise their bar. And as with other industries, how entrepreneurship is executed depends on the resources and circumstances of the organization. So larger organizations have different approaches than the smaller ones. Typically, entrepreneurial efforts in smaller organizations are more readily acknowledged, valued, and encouraged. But this does not mean that the larger organizations are not entrepreneurial. They just do it differently. So for example, with the large companies, they first need to acknowledge their commitment to entrepreneurship and establish such beliefs, values, and attitudes. And rewarding an entrepreneurial culture then promotes participation. And that builds capacity to identify and act on the emerging opportunities. It supports the incremental and the breakthrough solutions and the improvements within the current market position and the immediate, the mid and the longer term planning horizons. This all creates commitment to the end 10 supply chain that applies to all the stakeholders. So at its core, the impact is about providing integrated end-to-end customer service reliably, predictably, effectively, and safely, while manifesting the other benefits such as profitability.
0: There's a term here that uh, uh, both of you have used uh, frequently, the transportation ecosystem. Uh, What exactly is that? Uh, What what are its uh, principal components?
2: Well, Bill, it's, it's not only what it is, but why we need one. And uh, I'm just going to think a little bit outside of the box here. When, when we look at railway ecology, uh, and it's viewed from the perspective of the origins of the railway, there's always been some kind of linear alignment with businesses and the business communities that have grown alongside the railway. And in its earliest days, the linear proximity were were associated with roads and highways, towns that grew up along the railway. Uh, Eventually, power lines and utility corridors shared a a natural linear ecosystem. And today, these remain as a base. Now the real opportunity in the context of a more complex and diverse uh, global marketplace you know, this ecosystem now starts to extend beyond the, the physical proximity of the railway itself, but includes ships, satellites, regulation, laws, access to skilled employees, safety, interchanges, handoffs. So, you know, it it, it is very, very complex. It's nonlinear and it's diverse. So, you know, we can list, as Sonia has, you know, customers, passenger, tenant railroads, short lines, advocacy partners, regulators, lawmakers, unions, industry groups, you know, customers, industry partners. There's a whole list of things that, that create a, a matrix of complexity from the perspective of how we organize and how we plan and execute. The level that uh, level of service that that embraces the trend and transcends boundaries. Um, you know, I guess you can look to a shipping lane. And in days gone by, uh, a shipping shipping company would be concerned about the, the initial product, uh, a port, a vessel, a brick bulk, a crane operation, transit across the ocean some regulation uh, and customs at the destination port, and a handoff to railways. And it, today that's even more complex because they, they get into, like I said, satellites, buoy systems, navigation corridors, international trade boundaries, uh, ports and, uh, and tariffs and laws and regulations and all these things that start to really Add layers of complexity, and that's just the shipping lane. Now you add on the railway portion, the the truck portion, or the short line portion, to get to that distribution center from the from where the product started to where it wants to go into the marketplace. That starts to expand what the ecosystem could look like, and all of those handoffs or those those potential barriers that can be in either enhancers or inhibitors. of of a level of service that we need to address and so the the ecosystems we call them ecosystem players there is a lot of diversity in their agility and their historic roles and we assert that the evolving landscape mandates that this needs to change and that embracing a broader and more receptive view of this product view of 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 transportation is what everyone in that ecosystem needs to do and again as sony said i want to be perfectly clear that first and foremost we say and assert that railways have an obligation to develop their own customer base and service relationships we aren't advocating for any significant shift in self determination but we've what we've learned is that psr 2.0 is is not simply about forging better relationships in fact It's about having a more comprehensive view of the business objectives, the service alignments, and the the supply chain view of the product, where the product originates, where it should go, where it, it could go because of the inefficiencies in the ecosystem, and how do we support the best product in transit. It really is about deepening our engagement with a customer from a product level view. Trading partners are part of the ecosystem transportation handoffs and lawmakers are part of the ecosystem. They, they all serve the customer development and the internal view of how the ecosystem shapes that transit. You know, Shortlines and other participants will tell you that the, the optimization of and the path of handling, you have to include all the parties in the conversation and agree on how that service is going to be handled interline service agreements have to have more vigor in how they address the the shock absorbers of efficiencies and when decisions are made, the upstream and downstream impacts are at least discussed. And this starts to allow the receiving party to to agree to things that uh, that are designed as opposed to just being a downstream recipient. So PSR 2.0 puts more structure and meaning into these things. And people earn a seat at the in this equation. They earn a seat at the table by wanting to participate and by committing resources and committing to solutions by really wanting to take this product level view of things.
0: Sonia and John, from the perspective uh, that... PSR 1.0 uh, is still in various stages of rollout. Each railroad has its own version, uh, and then some of the parameters uh, uh, vary widely from railroad to railroad. Do you think the industry is ready for 2 for 2.0? You think they're ready to, to move on from 1.0? What do you think?
1: Competitors are already ready, and modern supply chains are demanding modern PSR. Right now, we are nearing the tail end of the digital age, which is also known as the information age. And there have been several waves of this digital age since the late 20th century. And the breakthrough innovation age is already on the horizon. What we're seeing, uh, transportation disruptors such as Uber and Lyft, they have shaped not only the retail transit world, but the very notion of automobile automobile manufacturing and ownership. What we are finding, uh, Amazon and Walmart are competing worldwide and are redefining global service expectations of speed and efficiency. Just in the last year, we saw uh, retail giant Amazon shocking the world with the notion of drone delivery service and SpaceX's CEO Elon Musk uh, winning the bid to build an underground high-speed state-of-the-art rail system from downtown Chicago to O'Hare Airport that saves a one-hour commute to 12 minutes. We see Walmart and other retailers having same-day shipping and, in some cases, same-day delivery. We are seeing that these, along with other companies that are synonymous with fast premium service, like FedEx and UPS, they are significant freight rail users. We notice that they are setting new and higher expectations for origin to destination requirements, and they're fueling unprecedented competition. What we found in researching is that if railway service and highways are not sufficient, then the trillion dollar corporations like Amazon are apt to jump into this opportunity, they have these pockets and they can buy their way in. Let's apply an analogy with the regional airlines. Even if the business models have been disrupted lately with the COVID-19 pandemic, the regional airlines have various sizes of aircraft that feed into hubs across North America. And they all work on the same disciplines, the same standards, and the same performance schedules. They all work in a highly competitive environment and they do it efficiently. And it should be no different in the rail industry. So if you were to imagine, uh, Porter Airlines was put on the runway at Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport and waited 24 to 48 hours before air traffic control would give them the green light to get a spot on the runway. This, This would not happen. So the urgency is for a call to action has exponentially escalated with the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. And there have been resulting existential threats on the economy as we know it today. Our landscape is very dynamic today. And these are the conditions for which PSR 2.0 can readily address. We don't have to wait to get going with PSR 2.0. And there's good news in all of this. The good news is that the railroads are uniquely positioned to take a leadership position forward in our current and foreseeable climate. Railroads have the reach into the marketplace. They have the discipline at various stages. They have sustainable infrastructure in place. So with today's realities, the economy competition and technology advance- advancements Uh, geopolitical positioning, it is not sustainable for everyone to go at it alone. The power of the ecosystem and unified platform is needed, and in this case, it's PSR 2.0. And the good news is that the railroads are uniquely positioned to take this leadership position.
2: You know, Sonia, let me add that we both have the greatest respect for what's going on before us. And we both recognize that as we take a step back and really under, work together to evolve our understanding of the rail industry in North America, we understand that we're standing on the shoulders of giants, that a, a lot of hard work and tremendous effort has gone into positioning position the railways to where they are. But, but let's go back to why we started this. Sony and I chose to work together we chose to combine our practical experiences and our desire to understand and solve the limitations and the problems of the railway networks in North America. And this is 2020. As an industry, we we've just pumped billions of dollars into digital safety and with very little in return. It's a world where railways have a lot of aspirational thoughts on how to leverage this massive digitization into something more than addressing a a small portion of a safety issue. There are discussions on how to advance business automation. How to it, it give the customer experience even more vibrancy and even how to get to autonomous train operations effectively and absolutely more safely. But wishful thinking alone won't get you there despite all the challenges in front of us. This is a perfect climate for change. This is a a perfect scenario to bring the parties together. There's no more room in the economy to wait for the rising tide to, to buoy the operating ratio or revenues or combat these threats, competitive threats or unforeseen threats. The wait and see is not a sound business strategy for progress. So this new business model that we've created improves railway relevance in an evolving world that is ripe for change. Competition is rapid, it's diverse, and there's an urgency to build on the foundation to reveal a new era of breakthrough business innovation and autonomous operations. The inflection point that we're not now at is critical and has to be leveraged now. None of the desired progressive changes can be started without safety improvements, transparent seamless service, infrastructure reliability and inclusive engagement all of this demonstrates the need for end-to-end approaches standards solutions and a greater level of accountability by design psr 2.0 is the right business model for the times and is the cornerstone for the new realities of railroading and its ecosystems it is an inclusive approach to railroading across all the parties with a supply chain that is growing more integrated uh, and it meets competitive and existential threats head on. The pace of effectively moving through the stages of PSR deployment is strongly dependent on the roles and the experiences of leadership teams within each railroad and even across the ecosystem par- parties. This requires some special skills and talents, and there has to be an assessment of organiz- the organization's capabilities so that they can enter into this at the right level. The pace of effectively moving forward through the stages of PSR 2.0 deployment is really dependent on the roles and experiences of the leadership within each railway and the fundamental commitment and alignment and disciplined experience leadership that is brought to bear. This this gives lower risks, uh, it reduces the cost of investment and allows uh, highly performing uh, trans- transformational leadership, you know, in some cases, it might have to be brought in, and in some cases, it may be already existing. But it applies both academic theory and deep practical experience in the in the field of railroading. Bill, moving the status quo, it, it's often uncomfortable. And, and personally, I've always challenged historic precedents versus what operating relevance needs to be had. And I've always been willing to sacrifice my level of comfort in order to achieve a greater value. Moving forward with PSR 2.0 takes a lot of people under their comfort zone, but it also brings stakeholders and ecosystem enablers into the solution. And it's the surest way to advance together. Implementing PSR 2.0 and consequently embracing the digital business transformation is a transformational endeavor. It moves us together from the current state to the desired state.
0: Well, Sonia and John, I'd like to thank you both very much uh, for joining us. We will be continuing with this series in um, July and August with parts two and three. We thank you very much for joining us. Be safe, be healthy, and uh, have a safe day. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Bill. It's been a pleasure.